Hello there and welcome to the Tech Means Business Podcast. This is a series of podcasts where I interview people who work in that particular space where technology serves needs in businesses. Uh, today we're talking about a particular technology niche, which is sports technology, uh, but one that touches on applications, blockchain, internet communities, and also some of the technology that's still a little bit futuristic, a little bit out there. To help us navigate through these various issues, we're joined today by Steve Madincia of a company called Fantastic. Fantastic is both an explorer of how new technology can be used in sports, but is also the name behind a blockchain-based fan memorabilia exchange and sale application. Um, But before we dive into all that, Steve, tell us, please, as has become tradition, a little bit about yourself and also about Fantastic. Okay, great. Well, the potted history is that I've always been involved in sports and business. That's two intersections of life that I've totally enjoyed all around the world, Australia, Brazil, Japan, North America, South America. I mean, it's been fantastic life. And then came the influx of technology. And I really, really enjoyed technology. So I had three of these roads coming together. And so where your podcast is tech meets business, mine is tech meets sports and business. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about Fantastic. Um, obviously, it's headline act, as it were, is that you've got an app out there in the in the Play Store uh, and on the Apple App Store, and that's for fans to trade sporting merchandise, typically soccer or football merchandise. Tell us um, a bit more about that project and also some of Fantastic's broader aims, if you like. Yeah, well, originally my business partner, Simon Woolard, and I, we were really interested in this problem about how to better connect sports fans around the world with the sports players, teams that took up such a large part of their daily lives. We had previously been involved in sports marketing companies and had managed investments for sports sponsors around the world, you know, going well over hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff. So we were deep, deep into this business. But we recognize that fans, while they were enjoying Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they wanted something much more, something much deeper. And so my business partner, Simon, and I said, look, you know, let's go talk to some tech companies and help them understand what they can do in sports. And and they were all confused by sports. Like they didn't know how to get into sports and what sport they should start with and what sport they might grow to into. And then we talked with all the sports federations and leagues and teams that we know, and they were confused by technology. And so Simon and I said, look, there it is, a big white space in the middle. Nobody is in the middle that understands both sides of the technology side and the sports side. So why don't we start Fantastech and start down that road and start pulling the two together and seeing what we can make to benefit fans, to help fans. So, Steve, in your opinion, um, why do you think that gap exists between uh, sport and technology? I mean, obviously, there are the stereotypical ideas of people are into technology and they're a bit geeky and a bit dweeby and they don't play any team games i mean is is that the case or is there um, a less stereotypical explanation for that gap existing well i think that generalization could get you started down that path but then you have to talk to the tech companies like we did about actually engaging in business and i'll give you the most primitive example i can think of think of uber everybody knows uber why didn't they come up with uber sport right away Why didn't they start thinking about sport? Well, maybe it's not a big enough market or maybe they're not, you know, prone to thinking about sports or maybe they just don't understand the sport market. So that's that's why my partner Simon and I started thinking in this area. 
on the sports side itself, I mean, we met with, you know, CMO and CFOs and CEOs, all the leaders in the industry from all these companies. And I remember walking away from one CFO and he told me that his technology at his multi-billion dollar sports entity was really reliant upon the latest person they hired to do their Facebook page. Um, and as much as that frustrated me, at the same time, it validated our business idea, you know, that somebody really needs to take some tech and really insert it in a big way into the sports world. And of course, in the sports world, we're talking millions and millions and billions of dollars or pounds. Is there a danger of ostracization? Um, is that a word? Well, yeah, kind of the, the gulf, really, I'm talking about between, for instance, uh, a, a Manchester United football fan turning up to see his team play in a stadium. But he, he or she has to pay an enormous amount of money to go and see a match. There is that gap, yeah. isn't there, in terms of yeah. money? Uh, do you see that going on? No, you're right. And, and let's, you know, let's take one step back and give the teams and the sports federations credit where they deserve credit. You know, they're first and foremost, they're thinking about making a winning proposition on the pitch, making a winning proposition for the fans to keep them all happy. Things like technology might be a secondary thought. And in the 36 months since we've been operating fantastic, um, the teams, the leagues, the federations, they've really come on quite quickly and we're heading in the right direction. And I actually think the pandemic has made them have a greater focus on technology and what technology can do for them because they've got so many other issues that they need to resolve with match day revenue and broadcast revenue and commercial revenue, that they need some help, some support in new, fresh areas to reconnect with those fans. Because I think they're not admitting it, but they're kind of understanding that sport without fans is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's become a pretty varied experience, hasn't it? Watching uh, watching live sport or rather watching it on TV and they're kind of piping in artificial crowd noise and it's a bit of a, a wake-up call when you get those shots of uh, empty seats um, so are you being approached at the moment in this period um, by big clubs and big names saying what can you do to help us bring sport back to life to to all these fans who are really quite necessarily sat at home oh yeah I mean every day I would say seriously we get at least one organization one team um, one speculative email, one LinkedIn connection from somebody out there that's trying to figure out how they can reconnect with their fans, how they can you know, get back and get closer to them. Because whether you're one of the biggest teams in the world or one of the smaller you know, league teams, you need those fans, right? And, and sometimes you need them more. Like if you're a smaller team, that match day revenue is just about all the revenue you had to fund your club. And, you know, you didn't have the big broadcast income and you probably didn't have the big sponsorship income. So you need something like that match day revenue. So you need to reconnect with your fans and figure out how, quite frankly, you can monetize them and keep them connected to you. Because when their rituals are going to be changed, as we've all had rituals changed through this pandemic, um, there's a big risk that they may not come back. They may not take the same train down to your stadium and eat at the same pub with the same pint and the same pie before they go into your match. They may have figured out that they like to do something else. Yeah, Steve, I've noticed that there's a, a disparity really between some of the sports that really do use technology well. I'm thinking about cricket and uh, the way that they're using modelling to uh, plot the trajectory of the um, of the ball and using it to decide leg before wicket decisions, for instance. 
And you compare that, that's a very staid game, but using quite advanced technology with Formula One, which of course is the you know the absolute highlight of technology, especially in the cars and the supporting systems. And the footage is just cars flying past, really, on the whole. All right, there's a bit of in-car footage. But it must be quite interesting to talk to accountants in, in clubs and sports organisations to try and develop these new streams of revenue by means so, of technology. So, Joe, the, what you just explained, my business partner Simon and I were probably on our third pint of beer at the pub when we hit that nail on the head, what you just said. <laughs> no, but that's why we started Fantastic, because we said there is so much that's not being taken advantage of. And, you know, and that's why, again, we were in love with the problem of connecting sports fans better with the sports they love, whether that's cricket, whether that's Formula One, whether that's football, whether that's rugby, right? We were in love with that problem, but agnostic to the solution. We didn't care whether it was AR, VR, blockchain, haptics, you know, it, drones. It didn't really matter to us. We just wanted to make ha, let fans have a better experience because what we did know for certain is 99% of the global fans are probably never going to go to a match again um, and it's not anything negative against it. They just they the fans just grew. They exploded through all these social channels. So somebody in China is not going to go to a Spurs game in London, you know, but they're going to follow them in a different way. And so who's thinking about that new user experience for those ninety nine percent? And that's where we really got into it. Now I mentioned right at the top of this podcast about uh, the fantastic app um, which is involved with digital collectibles uh, which is a great phrase um, but on your website for instance there are also mentions of AR and, and VR and these slightly more experimental areas that you've got going on as as research projects um, are they kind of thought leadership or thought pieces at the moment what what areas are you exploring um, with technology and its use in sports at the moment? No, well, that's a good question. And you may be aware of this, Joe, given that, you know, you like tech means business. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Reid Hoffman, who founded PayPal and LinkedIn, um, you know, very intelligent guy. And, and in my mind, one of the intellectually, one of the great guys in the startup world, right? One of the guys that's really out there and you really have to understand what he says. And he he talks about this philosophy called blitz scaling perhaps not the best term to use across Europe, but it's the one they picked up on in America. Um, and, he, and he put, and it, it essentially means that you're running so fast to build technology, to build tools. Um, you don't worry about efficiency as much as you would, like if you were IBM in your hundredth year or Coca-Cola in your hundredth year or something like that, you know, you're really just trying to build a market and build, build a philosophy and, and, and test everything around it. So, Coming back to those ideas that you just mentioned, AR, VR, haptics, every single one of those, we broke out of the box. We had different teams. We had different partners testing, building those things, um, testing products with consumers up and down the country at Bristol, at, sorry, at Brighton football matches. Um, you know, we really had a bunch of cool things going for different sports and different entities and stuff like that. And of course, when the pandemic hit, then you have to put your business cap on and say, hang on, who knows how long this thing is going to last and who, you know, what's going to be the future. And so we knew we had to embrace our leading technology of blockchain and our digital collectibles um, because we know that that's something that's really, really resonating with a bunch of fans. It was, it was a product that was live. It was out there. So everything else that we've developed, we've kind of pushed to the side a little bit with this caveat, 
we stripped out the best thing from the video player of our OTT stuff. We bit, stripped out the best thing from the CMS player, uh, CMS uh, package that we had in our game product. Um, so we took all of these things and started pushing them into our fantastic swap blockchain app to make it even better and even more aggressive so it could scale quite quickly because we did anticipate getting a lot of calls from a lot of different people to say we need to be on your platform so we can monetize our worldwide fans um, and we just wanted to be ready for that steve isn't there a temptation though as a business person to go for the big money uh, if you take your footy shorts off for, for a moment and put on pinstripe trousers aren't you tempted though just to approach the the premier league in the uk say or the nfl in the us you know people who are worth billions and say look i've got this exciting tech can i sell it to you um, why are you kind of, it's almost naive, why are you naively um, going um, and pointing your efforts at the moment at the fan base? Um, I would call it naively because I would say, first of all, I'd address it in two ways. The first way I'd address it is to say, we can't ever forget that fans are what built sport and it's decimated right now and fans will bring sport back. And so I think that's a good place for us to start. Now, concurrently, you're correct that you can take some technologies and go to the big broadcasters. And, you know, I don't think I'm revealing any mega secret that, you know, Sky were all ready to do the 100 in the cricket realm um, before the pandemic hit. They were ready to go with that. And one of our new technologies, we were in deep, deep discussions with them at Sky HQ on more than one occasion. And they brought in, you know, their new owners from Comcast in America to, so we could demonstrate what we had and everything. So had the 100 gone ahead, I was very confident that that product was going to happen. But these things just take time, as you know, with technology. You just have to be in the right place at the right time and make it work from there. So the fan band, um, what does it do? Uh, how does it do it? Well, it's, it's the only product in the world, and we have a patent around it, um, that can take your e emotional resonance off of your wrist, of a, of a wrist reading. So if you think of an iWatch or something like that, that it already does heart rate and different things like that. This is the only one that can take those different readings that we have. You know, typically you got to put an ECG all over your body at different points and stuff like that. And the ambition is, is that because, as you mentioned early in this podcast, there are people that sit at home, sit on their computer, but you know they're they're actually playing a lot of esports and e games and stuff like that. But now you can wear this fan band, and you can when you're watching person X in Korea go through this game, you can feel what she or he is feeling from a, a sensitivity perspective, whether they're feeling very excited, very nervous, you know, or very dour and very down or whatever. And so you can kind of get that same type of emotion. Our original concept around it was really based upon cricket. And we had an early investor who liked to go to the south of France and could never get his cricket scores um, in the way that he wanted to while he was out laying on his hammock and stuff like that. And, and he mentioned that, you know, do you guys have a way that you could help me stay connected to that? And Simon had this idea and then said, look, this is something we're thinking about, you know. And the guy said, so you mean I could sit here and listen to it on the radio and feel what everybody at the Oval is feeling and, and have their emotions and everything like that? And Simon said, yeah, absolutely. And so it kind of connected in that perspective. And and I've always liked it because of that. And now the, the adaption to esports makes it even stronger, even better. So just to wrap up, Steve Medincia of Fantastic, um, if people are interested in what you're doing, um, what are the next steps that perhaps they should take? 
Well, the first thing I'd encourage them to do is to go to their app store, type in Fantastic Swap, S-W-A-P, and Fantastech, T-E-C, and they will get our app. They can download our app and immediately get eight free packs so they can start playing for free and enjoying it and understanding what it's all about. And then if they really like it, they can get into it more, start building their own collections, curating their own collections, swapping with people in uh, Shanghai and people in San Francisco, you know, and a lot of people like that networking aspect to it and stuff. If they want to know even more, they can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, where we've got a, a really good following of enthusiastic sports fans from around the world and a lot of and a lot of sports and athletes as well follow us as well which is kind of interesting so uh, the music's artful fading up there brings us obviously to a close god bless pro tools and all its automation facilities um steve many thanks for bringing all these things to our attention um i think our next podcast series might be called tech meets business means sports means fans or something like that We'll workshop it, perhaps. Anyway, Steve Mandincia from Fantastic, thanks ever so much. It's my pleasure, Joe. Good luck. Keen listeners will note that I did actually manage to hold off uh, taking the mickey out of Steve there. He likes uh, watching grown men chase a round ball around a patch of grass. I prefer an egg-shaped ball. But I didn't mention it. Uh, I'm the epitome of professionalism. Um, And so for more professionalism along those lines, please join me again the next time on the Tech Means Business podcast. Bye for now.